Blog Talk Radio. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. The first reports say that President Kennedy has been seriously wounded by this shooting. It is a big idea. A new world order. It was almost as if it were a planned implosion. It just pancakes. Either you are with us, or you are with the terrorists. Now let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war. But there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace, and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this. But every lesson of history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is the specter our well-meaning liberal friends refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives no choice between peace and war only between fight or surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we have to face the final demand, the ultimatum. And what then? When Nikita Khrushchev has told his people, he knows what our answer will be. He has told them that we're retreating under the pressure of the Cold War and someday, when the time comes to deliver the final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary because by that time, we will have been weakened from within spiritually, morally, and economically. He believes this because from our side, he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price, or better rev than death, or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees than die on his feet. And therein lies the road to war, because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shotters around the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. Winston Churchill said the destiny of man is not measured by material compensations. When great forces are on the move in the world, we learn we're spirits, not animals. He said there's something going on in time and space and beyond time and space, which, whether we like it or not, spells duty. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. All right, everybody, Joseph Gibson here, podcasting in the times in which we live today. Uh, I hope everybody can hear me okay. I'm trying to switch up this audio stuff uh, a little bit, but... uh, I got um, my friend Eric. Are you out there? Press number one if you're out there. I wanted to bring you on first. Um, and then we had a, another guest that he was a friend of his that he wanted to bring on. I put that in the intro, the, uh, 
platform also when I programmed it. But I'm going to put uh, 970 through first. I think I end up, hopefully this is my guest. I don't see uh, Eric out there yet. So uh, here I am scanning down the numbers. i got a bunch of numbers here on the call screen. So uh, there he is. Okay, I'm going to put you on first, Eric. Okay, 202, go ahead. You're there. Hey, man. How's it going? What's up? It's Ken, by the way. So you're a little, little confused on the Ken, Ken, Sorry. Ken, Eric, Ken. Yeah. I get them all mixed up. <laughs> Where's uh, the lady you had? Uh, what's her area code? Because I got seven different uh, numbers here on my Hold call on. screen, and I need. Yeah, let's bring her right on. That, that's two Boscos. She should be four one zero. Okay, I don't see a four one zero. Tower put. If you're out there, uh, press the number one on your phone, and then I'll see the uh, hand go up. And uh, there, there it is. Okay. All right, I see her now. Okay, I'm going to patch her on through. I'm going to let her, uh, what I want her to do is introduce herself and then uh, give the message that she wants to bring to the podcast tonight. How's that? Absolutely. Let her rip, man. All right, and your back, whatever background noise, I want want to understand when we patch people through your background noise, it just throws the entire conversation off. So I know many people are talking on telephones, not headsets, so... You know, just be careful of your background noise because i got a lot of people on the call screen here tonight and a lot of people listening uh, through my social media platforms and whatnot. So please remember that. Okay, Force 1-0, I'm going to bring you on right now. You'll hear unmuted. Go ahead. All right, so this is Sue Bosgaz, and my husband is with me. And like I told Ken, I'm an ADA advocate. I fight for the rights for the disabled. Whether you have a disability mentally or physically, I'm a retired Army officer. I My job culminated into becoming a General Andre's Quick Reactionary Force Commander. And I'm also a mentor for several wounded warriors that participated in the Wounded Warrior Games. And by I, I had no thought or idea that I would be a whistleblower for my husband who was an ethics attorney in the military. He wrote ethics law for Forcecom, and after he got out of the military, he started working at the D.C. VA. And he didn't tell me that he was being abused. And I'm sitting here, and I'm going out there, and I'm volunteering my time for the Wounded Warrior Games and all these veterans for VA, by the way. And what I realized I realized that when the VA headquarters in Washington, D.C., when they go out there and they retaliate, uh, they violate all kinds of laws. And some of my ADA clients work for the second government, and they abuse them. And I went down that rabbit hole, and I saw several uh, issues with the EEOC process, with the, and how they commit fraud, waste, and abuse and cover for themselves while the second government, and the second government is in Building 810. And if you know me and Robert, we getting to veterans is not what we do. It's who we are. And for them to take what we've done and try to criminalize and make us into criminals is unbelievable. Our story has just so many layers that as an officer, I know what you need to do when you try to solve the problem. 
and I went to the top. I went to all the leaders. And the bottom line up front, we just saw fraud, waste, and abuse, and we saw how they conduct their business. And when we confronted them, they, they being the second government in Building 810, the VA, um, they went out there and they made us into criminals to the point where I try to reach out to the public because you can't go to the media. Now, when I say I'm an ADA advocate, I was an ADA advocate for also a person by the name of Jim, um, who passed away? Um, uh, Jackie. Jackie. Jackie was murdered and her boys here in Baltimore. And the news came to our house at 11 o'clock. And they asked me, well, why am I an ADA advocate speaking for her children? And I told them, and I also mentioned what's going on at VA. They cut that out. And that disturbed me because people need to understand what's going on in the government with their money because it's just being hidden. And I, by the grace of God, I was, because I'm a mentor for the Wounded Warriors, I just happened to be co- uh, as coaching general, the joint chair, Joe Dunford, because he came up to me and he said at one of the races that my runners participated in, he said, Sue, let's get in shape and run your last marathon and you'll run it with me. And I'm like, all right. However, I really didn't want to run the marathon, but I gave him my coaching advice and we we're talking and it just so happened on the 12th of January, 2018, while I was going to the Pentagon to turn in my uh, information to participate in the Wounded Warrior Games, not be a coach, but to participate in the Wounded Warrior Invictus Games, actually. And at this point in time, I didn't know what was going on in Disney. Now I I have an earful. I know what's going on. But my husband contacted me and said um, his his silent scars were being exacerbated by those people at VA. And so when I went there, they violate the ADA Act and they, they violate the all executive orders. And keep in mind, the reason why I stopped everything, I'm a CEO for E2, the reason why I stopped my whole life is because when I went to the Wounded Warrior Games that was sponsored by the VA, second largest executive branch, and I got my world-class runners from Kenya, Ethiopia, Belarus, and Romania. When we sat up there and we coached the Wounded Warriors, I learned very quickly that our Wounded Warriors and our soldiers coming back from war, they were popping 22, 12 to 22 pills constantly. And as a coach that coaches world-class athletes, I know that if you're going to give them a Wounded Warrior game, which is comparable to the Olympics, they're not going to be able to perform optimally. And I, I just know that it was a dog and pony show. And what I wanted to do with my E2 company was give these Wounded Warriors another Wounded Warrior Games. And so that's why I thought what I was doing. And I started, the, I was going to UDC to become a voc rehab counselor to give, take my E2 business and give them jobs because at the end of the day, wounded warriors and soldiers, after they come from war, they can't make ends meet if you're going to kick them out of the military. And so they want what everybody else wants. They want, you know, they're all leaders. They're all people that would 
go out there and fight and give their life if they have to. But when they come back, they have a new normal. And they think about suicide, et cetera, because they're popping all these pills. And when I went to the Wounded Warrior Games, which is um, there's just so much going on. Bottom line up front, what they're doing, what I've learned is they're taking disabled people to include the Wounded Warriors, to include the Disabled ADA Act. They're taking these funds and they're telling the American people, give us more money and what we'll do is we will protect wounded warriors. We will ensure that they have equal access into the courts, equal access into work, but they're not doing it. And I can prove it. And that's why I am being and we are being retaliated because we went all the way down that rabbit hole and we caught them. And not only did we catch them, we went boots on the ground and we talked to everyone to try to understand what the heck's going on. And while I we were while we caught them, I was talking to General Joe Dunford, the Joint Chair, and I was telling them that hey, telling him, look what they're doing. They're they're sitting up there taking congressionally appropriated funds, and they're they're diverting, they're they're cheating Americans. And his staff member said, well, Sue, why don't you talk to all the leaders and I learned very quickly from the OSHA, because I'm OSHA certified, I know if there is a health issue, a safety issue, you go to OSHA. And they have an OSHA within the VA that, in the OSHA within the VA, Green can't do his job because if he does it, then he'll get smashed. So I went outside to regional, and I sat down for two hours, and he basically told me, that, you know, they can't do anything because of an executive order. And so, I mean, I can who go signed the executive? Who signed the executive order? Was it Trump or Biden or who was it? Executive order 12196. It was, um, I believe it's Clinton. But what they oh, do Clinton. is okay. they, yeah, I, what they do is they use, they sign the executive order. I mean, it's this whole thing, it's, everything has been arranged um, in time, and when I say in time, it's it's a strategic plan. And one of, and my subject matter expertise is acquisition contracting. And I do realize when something is going on or wrong, you go straight to the financials. And that's what I did when we uh, realized when we had to go outside of the EEOC process and go to um, um, we went from the EEOC process within. And we learned when you go within and you complain that everybody's involved, but when you go outside, we realize that not only, not only are is everybody involved, um, we realize that DOJ and those 108 attorneys in Building 810 are also involved. And they are. What's the reason? Well, well, let me ask you this question real quick. What's the reason for diverting the funds from where it's supposed to go? I mean, because obviously this is just one part of the the puzzle here. That there, I mean, do you think, or do you have, or do you know? Wait, say that again. What is the reason for them? Yeah. Well, why aren't why why are the why are the funds being misappropriated? Where where is it going? Okay. Yeah, it's going in somebody's pocket. I can tell you right now because I. I can tell you that, one, um, they give, like when they have bonuses, they have $5,000 bonuses, and they're supposed to give bonuses to those that are helping out. They're not giving it 
to those that are helping out. They're giving it to like people like Von Sell. Von Sell is a the main perpetrator in our in our case. And what they're doing is instead of giving it to those that really bend over backwards and help the veterans, they're giving it to people like Von Sell. For example, once uh, you know, she started retaliating against us. I know from insiders that they transferred her to a higher position, and that higher position put her in a GS-15 position and gave her, it's like throwing her a bone, continue to do what you're doing. And so once um, we realized that, we checked uh, when we went out there and we tried to con- when we tried to issue the summons to her you can see where this particular person she's a GS14 and she does not know any policy rules and regulations which she is supposed to know right because one of the things and yeah. you don't understand when you're dealing with congressional appropriated funds especially a protected group and we're a protected group disabled funds. They get trillions of dollars. And when I say they get trillions of dollars, I'm talking about they get trillions of dollars for construction, third parties, for um, um, for anybody with a dis- disability. And so what they're doing is they're not using it as such. And then when you go out there and you say, hey, look, um, this is Executive Order 13164, which is a presidential executive order, and I think it, that was signed maybe by Bush. Um, it, it, it says, hey, if somebody asks you for reasonable combination, whether they say it verbally or if you know, you've got to give it to them, and you cannot deny it. The only way that you can deny it is, one, if the secretary denies it, two, if you're broke and you're, you don't have any money, or three, if the general counsel says there's no money but there's so much money in there and so what i've learned from all of my 88 clients and i've had a lot of them and i went in and out of court and every court that i saw wasn't establishing subject matter jurisdiction they were uh they were just cheating the public and using the disabled to get more money to include when i went to the wounded warrior game which they got $750 million, and I told DOD they need to invest because when I was a coach and I was coaching the Wounded Warriors and we went to Colorado where they had the Wounded Warrior Games with the in conjunction with the Olympic Committee, they were arguing, somebody was arguing that $750 million were, they were missing. And I myself talked to the head VA representative for the Games, and I said, you know what? You really need to get away from, you know, the Wounded Warrior games because half the Wounded Warriors, they're coming back with a new normal and they can't participate. Why not have a Wounded Warrior games where there's creativity and they're doing something differently? And he told me, and I've got this in writing, and he says, Sue, and because I gave him a proposal. This is what you need to do because they can't make ends meet, not only that, um, we all know, and I know as a coach for international athletes, you can't just roll out of bed and have a wounded warrior game. You know, there's something going on, and why don't you really help them? Because at the end of the day, what they want is they want to make ends meet. And when you kick them out of the military and you have this game, Olympic Games, 
you know, it's all dog and pony show. So there's so much that needs to happen. And we are intelligent um, when it comes to military. And I say that because uh, a lot of people say, well, Sue, I don't trust the military. But I can honestly tell you there's more good people that honor their oath than not. And I don't want people to think that all military are bad um, because I know in the back of my mind, because I work with the Joint Task Force, Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force, Coast Guard, NORTHCOM, trying to get the civilians, the governors, et cetera, to do their job and to help veterans, to help soldiers, to help their community. Um, but, and I know that there are more of us that are good than there are bad. So, I mean, our... I, I, I agree I agree with you. The point, the point that I was just trying to make is that all this money mm-hmm. you said going into someone's pocket, I don't think yeah. it's going into someone's pocket. I think it's going into somewhere that's, that's um, I guess you could say, uh, somewhere that like a Bill Gates Foundation, something like that, trying to, you know, do something that's illegal or, or wrong. The money's being misappropriated for a, re- for a reason, I think. That's what I, that was, that's my opinion based upon what you're saying, but because you know it's going somewhere. That's a lot of money. So I and and it happens in a lot of other sections of government also. And there's a reason. And what are they trying to do? You know, or is the money just not there? And they say it's there. It's and really no, no, the what is the money? It's the Federal Reserve is in charge of the monetary system and the, the money. money so well, really, yeah. Hold on a second, because I really understand this because. I, my, my at UDC, my professor is Professor Briggs. She helped pass the 1998 Act, and she was very hard on us, very hard. She, she to the point where she forced us to know the law. And so, when you have money, the 80 when the 88 was passed, um, and another thing, it, it, I'm, I'm thinking. To, too many things that are going on in my mind regarding how they use disabled funds because when you are uh, when you are of military mind the first thing that you do when you see a problem you go out there and you go for subject matter experts you go for past presidents you go and look for all the facts you go whistleblower conferences you go boost on the ground and you investigate yourself because you can't trust anyone because they just talk out the side of their neck and they say anything and then you also talk to people that actually are victims i can honestly say that i talk to a lot of people boots on the ground and a lot of them won't speak up because they're scared so when let's go back to where's the money going so you've got all these executive orders that tell and promise the public, well, this is what we're going to use this for, and you've got, for example, $750 million going to the Wounded Warrior Games, but when you look and you see that it's really not going there and people are complaining that it's not going there, that's an issue. And then also, as a competent fact witness, who knows Von Fell James, who is a incompetent, supervisor who's not trained because if she's trained she wouldn't have done everything that she's done to rob or not and i caught everything we caught everything on the tape and so when you go and you look and you say well she um she had an apartment and then all of a sudden she had another apartment and all of a sudden she signed for a five hundred thousand dollar home how did she get the uh, you know the funds to sign for a five hundred thousand dollar home. I told DOD you need to check that 
there's certain things. And then also when we went through the EEOC process and the ORM fills the shoes of the EEOC, which means they don't need to be going out and telling people, and we caught them in the transmittal record under an affidavit. They directed Von Sell and Angela, Robert's supervisor, once we reta- once um, they decided they were going to retaliate against us, they said under an affidavit that was in a transmittal record, they said to go and get my husband's Social Security number. That's number one. And then number two, you need to get his beneficiaries, his dependents, and his um, uh, some beneficiaries. They often mess with my father. And what you need to do is you need to go out there and get their personal information, medical information, under the name of Cindy Boyd. Now, you got to understand, our case is a little bit different because Robert was working there in D.C., so he had access and access to – and he could see into all the different types of programs that they were manipulating to include the executive presidential order to uh, – the White House executive presidential orders to um, – to hire the White House hotline, et cetera. And so I contacted Cindy myself, and I said, Cindy, I'm a service-disabled veteran. I have a PTSD. I'll disclose I have PTSD, MSC, all these silent scars that our leaders gave us. I said, you know what, our, is my PTSD claim, that which was um, submitted in 2012, is it being held up because, of what I'm looking at at the transmittal record. And she said, Sue, I don't know what you're talking about. And I sent her what ORM. Now, ORM, everybody needs to understand, ORM works for those attorneys in Building 810. If you look and you do your research, you will see that most of those ORM people are clerks, court clerks. And what they do is they use these court clerks to uh, find out information on you and against you. And so, and I know this, and I have turned in 27 volumes times about 4,000. When we did the EEOC complaint, I went there and I looked up all the rules and regulations. I saw what they were violating. I looked up all of their tests that they were supposed to take. I took the test for them. I gave it to the supervisor, and I said, you need to take you need to take this test. I'm going to pass it for you so there's no excuse for you not to do my family wrong. And so they ignored that. They're not taking the test. We're giving them money for training. We're giving them money for computers, for third-party construction. That's why when you have a third-party contractor come in there like they had the post office, come in there and investigate, they can't do you wrong. I mean, I can talk on forever because, like I said before, yeah, I have a friend of mine on from Colorado, actually, uh, from the yeah. Republic on here. I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna bring him on. Maybe he can knows a little bit about this. Um, and but I've also hoped that I've asked a, uh, a friend of mine. Uh, she was the uh, state commander for the VFW in uh, San Diego, California. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping she's on here tonight. Um, I don't know if her and her husband are on. Um, let me try bringing uh, Jim on from Colorado and get his uh, take on this real quick. Uh, Jim, mm-hmm. you there? Good evening, Joe. Hi, America. What's going on, Jim? How you been doing, man? You listening to this? I'm good. I am. Happy New Year to everybody. <laughs> Happy New Year. Yeah, you know, Joe, I'm really not. Um, 
I don't have any documentation to substantiate or um, deny what the lady said. I'm sure that she's honest and truthful. I know that we have a lot of problems in our in our country and in our government today. Um, it doesn't surprise me. My opinion, uh, and I hate to give opinion pieces because I do their work in facts, but my opinion is that with the New World Order and Agenda 2021 and Agenda 30, the Clintons and, and all these cabal people are like a bunch of vultures gathered around a carcass, and they're all trying to get their piece of what's left before it goes under. That's my opinion. And so it doesn't surprise me that uh, this is another indication that that substantiates my opinion, but, again, that's just an opinion piece. I am yeah, sorry Yeah, I also to hear got information. That. Also, I received information I wanted to ask you about. Was this, this somebody told me that Washington, D.C. was closed, that they got a, a response from a clerk that Washington, D.C. was closed. And uh, I, I, I was looking into that a little bit today, and someone told me that they were in Washington, D.C. recently, and they were like, yo, I don't think that's true. But I said, well, this person has a proof that could back this up. You know, so I just didn't know if you heard anything on that, too, or if this may relate to this, uh, the guest I have on, too, because uh, she's a friend of this individual also. He's still on the line, actually, I think. Um, but, uh, did you hear anything about that? You know, I'm... I'm blessed. I'm out here in the 8,000-foot elevation of the mountains in Colorado. I'm so far removed from reality that most people are facing. I'm blessed. I do try to follow the information sources that we have as Americans, and it's pretty sketchy at best. It's hard to know who's being truthful with you because everybody's got their own their own. Uh, Irons in the fire that they want to, you know, they're, everybody's looking out for themselves, not for the American people. And, you know, they're violating their oaths left and right. We see that every day. And that's not an opinion piece. That's in the news. Um, and so it doesn't surprise me that there are these nefarious individuals that are picking at the bones of the, if not defunct, the soon-to-be defunct, um, corporation and well, well that that was going to lead me to my next question if the united states uh, corporation dc corporation is if this money's being uh stolen and misappropriated someplace else then that just gets more evidence and crimes that the individuals from the uh, or the republic i mean I, you know that's it gets into a sticky situation you know we're not going to go to war with the corporation but at the same time if they're insolvent and they're bankrupt, uh, yeah, how long is it going to last before they pull the rug out before? Because they're doing it to the veterans right now. How long before they do it to the rest of the American people? Or well, they're actually doing it now. But I'm just saying before we start noticing and have, because uh, she's obviously got tons of evidence, like she said, but she's not getting any answers and she's being retaliated against. So what can be done? I mean, uh, actually, I got someone else on the line here. Five, two, well, I'll bring hey, you on in a second. But go ahead. Go ahead, Ken. Well, Ken I'm sorry. Go ahead. Hey, Joe, listen. Well, I might, I might say something, Joe, here, that okay. if she's being retaliated against, that means that she's over the target. Um, so, you know, if she, yeah. was, 
if she didn't have any anything to substantiate her, her accusations and her claims, then, you know, they just blow her off. But, but when she's got some real uh, ex- exposing to do on this, you know, then, yeah, they're going to retaliate on her. So I, I have to take that approach on that. Um, and that's let – me, let me say in, in closing on this comment I'll make is that that's why it's so important that the American people uh, stand up peacefully and take their country back. And the way they do that is by coming together mm-hmm. and coming together under the Constitution and the Bill of Rights that we all want it's, to see followed for mer- justice for all. And we're not going to get justice for all with what we've got yeah. today. It is the military's job to straighten this out. Section 105 of the 930 Street Act, the American people's signature, is the access to the printing press. That's why they want to stick you in jail for every little rule, mandate, policy, code, statute, uh, or crapshoot that uh, they can get you up the casino table, get you to roll the dice and sign here, initial here. Uh, this is the hijacking. The PACTO is interested in nothing but hijacking the American people's signature, accessing the Social Security Trust, accessing the trust involved with the Constitution, accessing all these trusts that have been set up. And, you know, what Sue has discovered, and, uh, you know, she she has pictures of her in D.C., and it, it's looking pretty closed down. Um, you know, where where we're going from here uh, really is, is counting on the – see – the American Army are the veterans that have come home and are no longer active military. Catch your American. Those are the ones that now have a responsibility. They, they, you hear them all the time. I've taken an oath, you know, and it, just because I'm not active military, my oath still stands. And it does. It's the responsibility of really everyone to, to take notice to uh, t- take our country back in, 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 in a responsible way. So I, I'll let Sue uh, jump in there. Yeah, well, hang on one more second. I want to bring – someone else may have something they want to uh, – they put their hand up. I think I know who this person is, so I'm going to bring them on. 520, go ahead. Greetings, Joe. It's Arshita Veda. How's everyone oh, doing tonight? I, I'm all right. I'm going to get – I'll get to you in about two – I got two people. I thought you were someone else that I invited, okay? So can you just be patient? Uh, uh, I'm I had a couple patient. Of, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Thank you. I appreciate it. Sue, go ahead. I, I didn't mean to cut you. I, was, I had someone else that in line with what yeah. you were saying mm-hmm. that I, I talked to tonight. That's why. But I got, I got so many people on the phone line here. They want yeah. to add to yeah. this. And I, everybody's got to be patient. But, Sue, go yeah. ahead. I want to bring my husband, who wrote Ethics Law for, for SCOB. And after he got out of the military, like I said, he worked for the VA helping veterans. So, Robert, I want you to share your thoughts about this whole nonsense and what we've been going through. I'm completely blown away by all of it. It's just completely mind-blowing that, you know, what really started off as a a petty matter with regard to um, them denying me the opportunity to work overtime, however – uh, and I get my wife involved, and all of a sudden I painted a, a huge target on myself. And it's, uh, you know, I'm glad I don't have to go there anymore. Um, do I miss the work? Do I miss helping veterans? Absolutely. Do I miss working with the people that I worked with? And under the conditions that I had at the, the VA, absolutely not. Um, 
But, um, yeah, I'm just completely blown away by all this, and I'm going to go ahead and pass it back. Okay, but I, what I want you to do, Robert, I want you to share your thoughts about how you were retaliated against and how Von Sell. Yes, that's important. That's important. Then I'll bring Arshaveda on. Uh, she's a U.S. Army veteran, actually, also. Yeah. So, But uh, go ahead. Yes, please. Tell us how you were retaliated. Yeah, and how they say – and let me tell you something. I, before he says it, um, he is an ethics law attorney, and he has to sit there – and watch an incompetent supervisor give him a letter of reprimand against a federal act. And he knows what right looks like, and he closes his mouth and he accepts it because she. there's nothing you can do, nothing you can say, just like when you go to state kangaroo court, there's nothing you do, nothing you can say. You're, you're wrong, and they're right. So, Robert, share your thoughts about that. And I don't mean to trigger you because it really does trigger me <laughs> to the well, point. You already have. Yeah, yeah, but I want you to share because it, you know, it helps people who's listening. So when they go through this, they know what to expect. So because if you know what to expect, you're not hurt as badly because it's called legal abuse syndrome. Because you're so shocked when they're not following the rules and regulations. You know the rules and regulations like the back of your hand. This guy is an ethics law attorney who wrote the law, and here he is. He has to sit there, and he knows that this little GS-14 is gaslighting him and giving him a letter of reprimand, and he knows the policy, rules, and regulations that if you're going to give a letter of reprimand, you better be in a GS-15 position, and you better be a division commander. And then all of a sudden, you know she's bullshitting, and she's giving this letter of reprimand, and he's just rolling his eyes because you got to understand, when he helps veterans, he identifies that position is what he did. It's his, it's, that's what he identifies with. And then you've got someone that's ignorant giving him something that he knows good damn well. She can't do it. And so he doesn't say anything because what they want to do is instigate. And because, she, like I said before, we have proof where she went in to his medical record so they know how to exacerbate his condition to the point where they're constantly doing it. So I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let you talk, Robert. I don't even really know where to begin, but as I may, uh, it's okay. Just do your best. Do your best. Do your best. As, as I understand. I understand talking and on the radio and everything. It's hard to articulate your story like you usually would do in a conversation with someone. Just go ahead and do your best. Take your time. Well, this this all started uh, by. Uh, you know, being denied the opportunity to work uh, overtime on uh, Martin Luther King holiday in uh, in 2018, um, I was subject to a what's known as administrative investigation board, and then given a letter of reprimand for supposedly using my personal email for official purposes, kind of similar to the stuff that. Uh, um, uh, former uh, Secretary of State Clinton got involved in. You know, the, the interesting thing about it was the, the only thing I did was, you know, CC my wife on a couple of emails, and I had been doing that for years because uh, the office I was working at required the their employees to do overtime, and I letting her know that overtime was available and 
asking her if she had any questions about any of that and then also sending her a copy of the message saying when when I was actually going to be working. He got to step in because he's not he's leaving out something. Well, first of all, you know VA is back. They're backed up. And so he was scheduled to work on uh, the 11th of January. And what they said was, hey, look, um, I'm not going to be, oh, no, no. They said you're not going to be able to work because we have um, scheduled maintenance. And so he's like, okay. And then and what they said was, they said the entire, they being VA said, y'all can't work on that Sunday. However, everybody can work if they want to on Martin Luther King Day. And so he said, okay. And he asked Von Phil and Angela, because that's what they do, uh, if he could work on Martin Luther King Day. Now, Angela and Von Phil, now keep in mind, they don't want people that are competent. They want people that are compliant. And they've always had something out for Robert because He's the type of person as ethics attorney. He's straight up, no nonsense. And they want people that are like Von Sell. And so they've always had something out for him. And they said, no, Robert, you can't work, dot, dot, dot. Now, once once they say that, when they allow people, everybody else, to work, they violate Executive Order 13164 because he has always had a reasonable accommodation in 2016. And I'm his, his reasonable accommodation is neat, too, and also Moxon's other stuff. So he had a reasonable accommodation that says if his anxiety gets up, then I speak for him. And you can never, ever, ever deny reasonable accommodation unless you're going, unless you're broke. And so not only that, I've always been working with him since 2016. And so once. Von Fell said, Robert, you can't work, dot, dot, dot. And then Robert comes back and he says, Von Fell, Angela, why would you say I can't work when everybody else can? When they, the VA headquarters says they're giving this opportunity to everyone and I was scheduled to work anyway on Sunday. Is it because I'm white? Now, keep that in the back of your mind. Is it because I'm white? They've got policy rules and regulations that protect um him when he challenges them. Not only that, he they have to give him reasonable accommodation, which means one of the reasonable accommodation, not only is it me to speak for on his behalf, but it is answer his question when he asks you a little simple question. That's a reasonable accommodation. And if you don't do it, you violate the ADA Act or the 1973 Rehabilitation Act. They didn't do it. And so that's why I have I think, Sue, what is happening happening also is that I want to give this to all the other people that are listening that are non-military or not veterans, is basically you guys are getting screwed over now like the rest of Americans have been with the Social Security Act. You know, they work all your life, you pay into Social Security, and then they they tell you no, you know, or you're denied eight times. They're using the ADA. They're using the ADA in the regular courts. you, You just hit me with it, Sue. I'm like... That's what they're using to asking you if you have any disabilities. They're using the ADA within the local court system. And, and, and obviously, those funding, the funds are probably not exactly being appropriated properly, probably making it into more of the parties and retirement accounts and slush funds and, right. and business like oh, yeah. that. Exactly. Because that's what, yeah, that's what they're doing in the local, just a local courts to the civilians. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And as yeah. I caught that right away. Let me bring on Archivada. She was waiting patiently. I didn't mean to cut her off because she's a long time listener okay, to the yeah. podcast. Uh, right. Please, Archivada, I know you got a lot to say, so go ahead. Bring your okay. uh, your comments here forward, please. Thank you. Oh, greetings. Um, yes, I, I have been taking some notes um, in the midst of the conversation because um, there's a lot of um, things, key points uh, that are being pointed out. Can y'all hear me good? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. You're fine. Thank you. Okay. So um, I like the fact that, is your name Sue? Yes, it's Sue. Hey, Sue, how you doing? Yay. Okay, Good. so I, I like what you're doing, and I and I like a lot of the points that you are bringing up. And um, I have been uh, personally working with a senior disabled, well, vision disabled veteran. Yeah. <clears throat> and so of course that brings on a lot of issues within itself. But yeah. I like the fact that you talked about the retaliation that takes place when a uh, veteran of any sort uh, makes a complaint or voices a concern or opinion about unfair treatment or wrongdoing. And um, someone else said on the call, uh, you were shooting above the target when you're being retaliated against, meaning you're not hitting the target where it should be hit to uh, get an uh, appropriate resolution or solution to the issue. And so uh, what I have been noticing <clears throat> is that there is a, uh, there's a interworking in the system when it comes to misappropriation of funds. Now, mm-hmm. I um, went to school for social work, and one mm-hmm. of the things that I had to do um, in my senior mm-hmm. year was a policy analysis. And what I gathered from doing the policy analysis, it is, first of all, very important to do a policy analysis on any area uh, that you are looking in to check out what policies cover that particular um, arena mm-hmm. of work. And so Ailment, illness, it, sickness, or disability, right? Right, any of it. Any of anything that has had an executive order uh, yep. and an act is yep. worthy of a policy analysis to find out where the funds are going and why they're going there. Now, what happens is that they create these interworking of networks um, where they get the numbers, they use the numbers for the people who associate under these different um, <clears throat> under these mm-hmm. different uh, guidelines and mm-hmm. policies, and then mm-hmm. they they use the numbers to continue to get the funds, and they may even be getting more funds. But yeah. if the funds are increased, they're not reporting the increase into the uh, demographics where they should be going. And and the problem and why that's happening is because the people lost touch with the political side of things when it came to welfare and services. Mm-hmm. So if we the people are not showing up for these budgeting meetings, if we're not gathering and organizing locally 
and being involved in these uh, political settings as a group, as a people standing for something that is going to benefit uh, those people who are standing, you know, like veterans helping veterans. Right. Coming together to say, hey, these are our demands. This is what is needed. This is what you're supposed to be providing. Here's where the funds are going to, and it's not being supplied in the area such as advocacy. Advocacy is a necessary tool for anyone who is dealing with a disability, whether you be a veteran or not. What's missing is there's no one there. Most times you got people, you need children need advocates, elderly need advocates, uh, families, period, need advocacy when it comes to dealing with these services. So if you have advocacy, then you have someone as a third-party witness to witness what is going on and to take mm-hmm. note and to be there, present, because you don't have you have children who don't have anyone, an adult that uh, cares for them standing on their behalf. They're just being tossed around in the system. You got senior veterans who are being tossed around in the system who are increasingly becoming but what, but homeless. What, hang on, to interrupt you, what can, to, what can be done if they're stealing this large amounts of money from our heroes, well, first our fellow heroes, uh, and this is, you know, like the media portrays, and, and, and they put, have these wounded warrior commercials on TV, and, and everybody's donating money here. They're even the private uh, uh, funds that are being collected. All this money is being appropriated, and it's not going where it's supposed to be going. Well, there's no um, audits being done. Who's requiring an audit be done to these organizations that are receiving money to do things for veterans? Who's doing an audit on them? There's well, no hang on, hang on, Archie. I don't want to get off. I don't want to get off too far off topic. I want to talk about the executive order, like Sue was talking about. Is you know, the, I mean, has that? You said it was Clinton in the beginning, or was it Bush? Did you say? Yeah, I no. think it's Bush. Yeah, there's different executive orders that prevent. They have a strategic plan in place when you try to do the right thing. Because I did not want this to go out. I went straight. General Joe Dunford said, go to the leaders because the leaders have an obligation to nip it in the butt. In 2016, I went straight to Mike Crew and nipped in the butt, and everything was okay. And then 2018, it was different because she violated the ADA Act and the ADA Interference Act. So what they did was instead of resolving the problem, they they lost his reasonable accommodation in 2016. They, they had his VA doctor um, alter the records, the medical records, and then they started retaliating. And when we went to the EEOC to complain and we went to the senators and the congressmen, the senators and the congressmen acted as if they were doing something about it. And then when we gave them hard evidence of what was going on, they contacted me, the chief of staff, Congressman Ruthersberger, uh, point of contact, chief of staff, called me and said, we can't do anything. And I said, why? They said, because we don't have any resources. That is the main verbiage. That, and I said, I did all the work. I'm giving you the hard evidence, and hard evidence doesn't lie. If you track it, you guys got people, you got people in Building 810, and they're retaliating against the whistleblower, and they're making us into uh, to criminals. And when I say they're making us into criminals, 
they I honestly went to three, four, five kangaroo court, and I wasn't even there, and I still became guilty. It's it's ridiculous. Unreal. You're asking you, and I have put this out. It's on all my videos, and I'm showing them. This there's corruption. And it's gotten to the point where I can show the executive branch, the legislative branch, the judicial branch. I went straight to the top. I was able to go to joint chair because I was a, I was running with him, and I just happened to know him. I just happened to know General Andre because he was my mentor. I just happened to know General Shadley because he's top acquisition. And so when I really dug deep, there it, it's much deeper than you think. You say, well, you're supposed to go and you're supposed to have all these people. I can tell you right now. I go. I went to the whistleblower conference and there's a hundred people from throughout the United States came there, and they gave us an unbelievable uh, things that were happening as far as fraud, waste, and abuse. It blew my mind. Wow. <clears throat> well, so did you try to multi-jurisdictional court? You know that you ever heard of that the multi the floating multi-jurisdictional uh, court? Did you ever hear of that one? Would you say that's that again? Floating, that's a floating uh, multi-jurisdictional court that uh, handles uh, uh, cases. Um, I guess you could say in different uh, circuits and uh, whatnot across the country. I used to have that information. Right, I'll try to look yeah. that up and get that to you. Uh, Can I say yeah. something? I went yeah. to, because I was a coach for Wounded Warriors and because VA was paying my way to school to be an 8A advocate to help veterans that were committing suicide, and because they allowed me to go to Wounded Warrior Games and help Wounded Warriors, I did not want to make a scene. I went straight. I did exactly what General uh, Dunford said. I went to the leaders. The leaders ignored me. The very first time in 2016, instantly they made everything right. But in 2018, they acted as if they all have this narrative. They all have a meeting. I know they're meeting. Why? Because I know insiders. There's more insiders that want them to do right but can't tell them because they get retaliated against. I had somebody, an ADA, uh, ADA, ADA advocate, Kevin Brown, tell me, Sue can just kiss their butt because if you do, they got so much money, and I'm just trying to save my butt. And I said, Kevin, how many people? You know how many people died? You know how many people have been uh, went through this? How can you say that? I've got this. Everything that I do, everything that I say, is recorded because I know as well as y'all. When you go to Kangaroo Court, they're going to lie. They're going to commit perjury. If you go into the transmittal record, you say, well, go and do what you're supposed to do. Okay, the first thing you do is an EOC investigation, and then when they find out, what they do is they hire. Once you find out fraud, waste, and abuse, you can go out there, and you can get a secondary um, agency. we got the post office. They got the post office to do this investigation. We found out the post office was redirecting our mail, and it's so criminal. I mean, I can go on and on. We've done everything. I checked off all the blocks. Why? Because I didn't want to make this into a scene. We went through the OEDCA. They have different steps within. And then when it got so bad where Robert, where they were ignoring an FMLA leave, when they started ignoring his, his doctors, Notice, and she said, "You got to stop doing this to this jag officer." 
because he has worked for y'all for 17 years. There's not been a problem. Then all of a sudden you guys are retaliating. I tell you, Dr. Price was sitting up there and she was telling VA, one of the reasons why we're being retaliated against is because of Dr. Price's narrative. And they wanted us, an ORM representative, they said it was an HR person, they got it, they said, why don't you have her change her narrative? And we went up there, and then when I went downstairs, I've got an insider start laughing and saying, Sue, I know when you got, when you're talking to Angela and Von Sell because they shut their door, and guess what? They have a meeting, Building 810. Aren't you supposed to be there because it's about you? So you know they're all in bed together. Because Sue, I, what would honestly, you like? Sue, let me ask you this yeah. direct question. What yeah. would you like to see happen? What what could be done, in your opinion, yeah. to fix this or to get to yeah. the bottom of this? To get to the bottom of it, they got to knock down doors. You have to have that task force. And you have to have the military because the only way that you're going to resolve this problem, because this problem is greater than ourselves. There's too many people that have been harmed by them. You have to have a military task force go down there, knock down doors, and try to figure out what's going on, do an audit, and also go and see what in the hell is going on in the State Department. See what's going on with communication because once you say something, do something to these people, they know through communication, their communication, whether it's electronic filing, what's going on. And so the first time that you see that somebody violated 18 U.S.C. criminal code, Anywhere from 241, 242, uh, where they're violating your your rights because your rights are your property, then they got to go. They got to get the hell out. You, if God puts you in a position of leadership, any type of leadership, where you put your oath on the line and you say, "Hey, I promise, I give my oath that I will do this. If you don't do it, and you violate your oath, you got to get the hell out because that's why you got a cold war in tow. You got to put place those people. First of all, you got to hold them accountable." And put people who will honestly help and serve their employee. Because at the end of the day, we're their employee. We give them tax dollars. We give them congressionally appropriated funds to do their job. If they're not doing their job, they got to get the hell out. And you got to find someone that can. That's exactly what every general says. If you can't do your job, I'll find someone that can. And that's what we have to do. And it's got to be done with a task force. You can't send our soldiers overseas to fight a rich man's war when we got problems in our own backyard, in a courtroom. we got people committing treason. When they go out there and they violate their oath, they're committing treason against Americans. So what is that's it? Right. What's the solution? The solution is you get a task force and you knock down doors trying to find out what's broke. That's exactly what we do when you send our asses overseas to fight a rich man's war. Do it at home first because if you can't do it at home first, how in the hell are you going to do it overseas? That's yeah, solution. you're correct. I'd go after I'd go after them under the RICO statutes. That's what I would do because they're yeah, a criminal enterprise. Yeah. Because everybody, I talked to OSHA. Let me tell you something. They exacerbated my husband's condition so bad, and and the doctor, Dr. Price said, if you guys don't stop doing this to this man, something will happen. So what you need to do is get him away from the trigger because, she says, I have so many soldiers coming to me and saying, well, I can't go to 7-Eleven because when I go to 7-Eleven, I get triggered. And she said, well, stop going to 7-Eleven. And so I said, well, Vontel and Angela is the trigger. And she says, well, move him. 
So that was a reasonable accommodation. We immediately, because I didn't want this to escalate, I said, just move him. Just, just move him. Because I told my husband, I said, look, why don't you just quit? You're highly intelligent. Get them. He says, Sue, I did nothing wrong. They, you got two black women, won't let a white man work on Martin Luther King Day, and he's married to a black woman. The reason why we're married is because of Martin Luther King. He says, how stupid does that sound? He says, if we let this go, that means they will come. I'm like, all right. You know, cause well, they have I, to, well, they have to divide. The, yeah, they divide. They want to. They have to divide yeah. the people. And what better people to divide and conquer would be the veterans, because yeah. they're the backbone of our community and our country. Well, yeah. That's it, our American it's, military. That's our American military we're talking about. That's the people that are the backup when the active military have gone rogue. But our case has different levels because they didn't know I was black. My husband's white, and my husband is an ethics attorney. You either like him or you don't. He's the type of ethics attorney. When I brought a skill class home, he said, take it back. When he's the type of attorney that says, you know, when I said, oh, my dad and my mom like this type of music and we'll go ahead and tape record it, he said, no, we're not going to violate the copyright. Like, my husband, either like him or you don't, he, he – and so when I came there, they, I could see their facial expression because they didn't know I was black. And so they can't say that, you know, he doesn't like black folks. Now it's a discrimination problem. You've got them violating Executive Order 12196. You've got them uh, violating uh, 13164, the Reasonable Accommodation, the 1973 Rehabilitation Act. Now you've got discrimination because you've been working with me since 2016. I sit up there and I write them every single day to make sure my husband's okay. And then in 2018, you want to violate the ADA Interference Act? Can't do that. I'm sorry. A lot of people don't realize that they have, when you have an organization that gets congressionally appropriated funds, they can't ever deny ADA rights. Or if you if you don't have a disability, you can go out there. If, there, if there's a similar situation, there's an OSHA Act. Because you're under contract with your boss to keep you safe. When they don't keep you safe, then there's a problem. They're violating their contract. Everybody has a contract. Everybody has a charter. And so when you violate your charter, you're in trouble. And so that's why um, our situation, is, because we know our stuff. My husband, and that's one of the reasons we had three mediations, by the way. They canceled two. when they re- The first one, um, they canceled it because they're playing a little game. The second one, when they realized I knew all these generals and I'm an ambassador for the military, Um, They canceled it the day or two days before the hearing when I flew people out because you never go to mediation by yourself. You tape record everything. The third time, I said, I'm not playing any more games. We're going to go by Fort Meade mediation. We're going every time that I can prove that you violate civil rights, there's a no cap, and you're going to pay this amount of money. You're going to do, I became a course action one, two, and three. And we said, we're doing course of action number two. And they said, okay, once you say that, there is a contract. When we went there, I had all my people dressed right there. They're subject matter experts. And then we had, and what these people in Building 810 did, those VA attorneys from Harvard and Yale, they hired somebody from um, Judy Beloit from Florida. That's her second headquarters. She flew out, and I could read her facial expressions when I told her how they violated all their policies and Robert was an ethics attorney, you could see her eyes, and she, 
everybody was there. Everybody was there. They, they took a two-hour break, and they talked to those uh, attorneys in Building 810. They came back, and they said, we're not going to sell. It's not time kicking your ass yet. That's basically, she didn't say it like that, but I can yeah. tell you the media. I told the mediator, I said, you're not going to give me any of the BA meters. I want an outside mediator. And he came back and he said, the problem, Robert, is you. You're an attorney. But you know what? My husband, they think my husband's a problem. He's sharp as his photographic memory. That's why, that's why he's writing ethics law, right? You've got to understand, he knows, this, he knows stuff like the back of his hand. His dad was an attorney. His dad's dad's an attorney. He comes from an attorney background. But he was a JAG attorney and an ethics attorney that honored his oath. And you're hey, not Sue. going to make it. Yeah. Okay. Guess what? Because you're, you're, you're lighting me up over here. So that means that every time uh, someone who doesn't speak English needs ADA, I believe that's what they call it just in the local courts, is uh, Americans with Disability Act, is what they use in order to bring in the interpreters. So as they bring in all these foreign speaker, non English people here into the country, that's a lot of ADA that's getting used within the local court system. Uh, for us, and, and, and kind of in the, in the truther community, um, yep. exposing the fact that we need a, an interpreter because we don't know legalese. We don't know the law, your language. We don't know yeah. the vaccination and the fact that this country has no official language to protect you from that foreign uh, uh, definition that's being placed on the word like person um, or driver or, you know, we can go on all day. But I just want to kind of add that into the conversation. Yeah, and Ken, and you see the problem is, Ken, you see the conversation that we're having right now is huge. But you see, if you talk to the average social media uh, dingbat out there or American out there that doesn't know and has no clue what we're talking about or or how big this problem is and how it can affect them also, uh, trickle down. You know that. Yeah, it's hard because we have a, a populace out there that's so uneducated, or they're just yeah. they're butterflies. They can't sit still for one second to pay attention and listen, yeah. you know, and understand what you're trying to get at here and how big this problem is and the whistleblowing that you're doing. That that's true. That's so true. Tell them about DC. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Tell them a little bit about DC being closed over there. What what you ran into? <laughs> yes, I want to hear that, please. Okay, so yeah, I can tell you because I was so frustrated. And keep in mind, if you know General Andre, he's no nonsense. He will try to fire you if you don't do your job. And I am, I've been to war and I can't sleep. My PTSD won't allow me to sleep until things get done. And I know something is wrong, terribly wrong. And I got a phone call in 2021 uh, by somebody, uh, James. His name is James Ryan, and he told me, he said, I'm following you. Can you help me out? Because this is what they're doing to my son. And I did not want to get involved because our case is just overwhelming with our kids. Because once, it, once they affect your family, your, your, your husband affects everybody. That's why you can sue, sue under zone of interest in district court, and he was giving me an unbelievable story, and I didn't know about adrenochrome. I didn't know about how they tortured kids, and that was just different. And with, in his case, he's calling me and he's begging me, Sue, can you help? And I'm like, uh, what? And, he, and it was really interesting because he he called me on the 28th of August. That's the day that Martin Luther King had a speech, and I was going to go down and they were going to do something in D.C. with Martin Luther King. 
And I said, well, well, prove it. Give me, sign something and send me an affidavit because I don't believe anything. You know, you're going to have to sign shit and tell me for sure that what you're telling me you I can use against you in court. So I, so we signed it, and then he gave me he gave me a freaking um, videos of how they tortured his son and what they did with oh him in Japan. Yeah, and that's so. My the reason why I'm suing is because you know I have a right to be an advocate. If I want to protect veterans, disabled people, that's my right. That's my goddamn right. And they're interfering with it, and they can't. And so, if and I said, well, I'm an ADA advocate, and he says, well, can you help me out? And I really, uh, so I told him, prove to me, because I can't turn my back on the child. And so he proved to me, gave me a, a declaration, and he told me exactly, gave me a timeline, gave me pictures, he gave me videos, and how, and what, in his particular case, he's in Japan, and he does stem cells. And he did. He had two patents, and what the Japanese had done was they um, they threatened him. They wanted to. They stole his patent, and then to shut him up, they 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 followed his son through medical. And when his son went into the hospital, they tortured his son to prove to him if he doesn't shut up, then you know this will happen to your wife, your kids, etc. And so he's telling me this, and I'm watching this, and I'm watching how they use the sun as an experiment. And they choke oh his bones. They start at 11. He's 25 now. So he's about four foot. And he's, they just mutilated his body. They took adrenochrome. I didn't even know what adrenochrome was and all this other stuff. And that's how Justice Anna came involved, and she was telling me about, okay, this is what the courts are. The courts are... They're they're controlled by the bar. You're not going to get justice. And she gave me an affidavit too because I don't trust anybody if you don't give me an affidavit that I can't use against you in court. Because I know when you go to court, these attorneys play get, play with you. And so I'm oh, yeah. up there not okay. So I will. And so what I did, I said a lot of people don't realize this. When the State Department, the federal, you know, when they violate your rights, you got to do a form 95. And we said, okay, I can help you. I'll do a form 95. And when I did a Form 95, um, I also intervened him into our court case because um, because I'm an 8A advocate, and you don't, you cannot, you can't, you can't prevent me from being helping people out. And I said I want this immediately. Now keep in mind these people at the VA and the DOJ. And one of the things that people don't understand, don't realize, it may not realize, and they think you don't realize, when you pay congressionally appropriated funds and you can prove that federal agencies, state agencies, when they violate your constitutional rights, because your constitutional rights are your property, when they violate that, you can't get DOJ to defend them because it's like giving your money to DOJ to defend the perpetrators under the Westfall Act. And so so they're sitting up there, and it was nine months, and they didn't contact me. So that's why we did a co-warrantel. I know. My husband knows. You do a co-warrantel when they act a fool, and you get rid of them. You challenge them. And that's what we did, 
And we know it works because the same Cold War and show that I did in D.C., I did it in Augusta, Georgia, when they were acting a fool with a veteran, a special forces guy, Jeff Blockowitz. And, I, and, the, and guess what? When we did a Cold War and show, every last one of those judges would accuse themselves and they fired that judge and the prosecutor. So I did the I used the same template because you always use Mulberry versus Madison, and we sat up there and we didn't deal with Jay, and they didn't they they just they were quiet because they didn't know what to do, and that's when yeah, we realized yeah. that there was something going on because check this out when you do a call until you never have a baby clerk sign it, and so on the 26th of June we saw not three judges the three judges were supposed to sign it, but we had a baby clerk sign it. And I'm like, what the hell? What is this? You don't have baby clerk. And then so I took leave of court, and I added those three judges for allowing that baby clerk to sign, try to pass law. I added them as defendants. And then um, I contacted, and I got this on the record, I contacted BJ at the D.C. Court of Appeals, and I said, BJ, um, why is baby clerk signing orders? And he's like, no way. I said, yes way, and you know it. And he said, just put everything on the record. And I'm like, this is BS, and you know it. Now, what, what do you do? It? Now, what? Hang on. Now, what do you do if you're in a state that has a statute that bans you from using the quaranto? You're not going to ban you the quaranto because that's your God-given. Oh, there's a statute here in North Carolina that says that it's repealed well, that, that you can't, it cannot be void. used. Yeah, you, well, that's unconstitutional. No, no I mean, everybody has to, <laughs> If it's unconstitutional, you have a right, you have an obligation to ignore it and bring it up. And that's when you start, that's when you get the military involved because when they start acting a fool, that's when you start uh, threatening their charter because everybody has a charter. Everybody has a, they have um, their companies and they can't violate exactly. their charter. And so you have a constitutional, um, if it's unconstitutional act, you're not obligated to 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 abide by it, and they know it. They, and you would be sued. You would not be surprised. I could show you documentation. I just got two days ago from a United States federal magistrate that 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 told me that um, uh, extraordinary writ of mandamus cannot be mm-hmm. used in a United States federal court to enforce a state statute. That that and yeah. and, and it's, I mean and I was just I mean that, that's just a it's administrative effort. Yeah, but that's what they do, and you got to understand because their goal. For example, when we had three mediation, and we I had a contract with these people, the VA. I said I'm not going up there, and I'm not bringing it because General Honore was supposed to be there, and I had all subject matter experts. And a lot of people don't realize when you have subject matter experts there under 18 Alpha, and I put it on my website or the Facebook under. What they do is they pay. Attorneys, they're attorneys. They pay Judy Beloyes to fly her butt from Florida to D.C. They got a hundred. They have 110 attorneys in Building 10, and they fly upon Judy from their secondary headquarters in Florida to deal with us. And then, um, gosh, I lost my train of thought. What was I explaining? <laughs> Sorry about hey, that. Let's, let's not forget about one. Let's not forget about one big issue is. The entire de facto has been involved in human trafficking via the birth certificates under the law merchant, yeah. under the scheme of secure transactions. So this is what they all are scared of, most of all, it's because it's pretty much every one of them, 
their paychecks, their benefits, their wealth, yeah. their accumulation, their power, their authority, everything is is under that one umbrella uh, of, of of fraud. Just mass yeah. fraud against every man, yeah. woman, and but child. Ken, but read. Ken, when a citizen, when the citizen, the ordinary citizen who's not even in the military walks into these de facto courts and you and and uses the terms that Sue was talking about, they'll kidnap you. They'll throw you in the concrete box downstairs. Yeah. They'll beat you up. They'll electrocute you. Your yeah. fan, and you'll be devastated. You lose your house. Yeah. You lose your car. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't excuse it. That doesn't excuse it. It doesn't excuse. That's why we need to stand up and, and, and get as many yeah. people, able-bodied, uh, good men and women, capable men and women, pay yeah. attention to what's really going on. And look, yeah. uh, the National Security Council considers it a matter of national security that too many people will find out about the birth certificate scheme. Okay? Yeah. I, I just got off the phone with someone yesterday. It, it, there's no beef to this. This is the real deal. This is just the time to, are we going to surrender to this? Are we going to change the direction? I believe that, that Ken, I believe that the majority of the American people have already surrendered a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But there are good people such as yourself, Sue, her husband, and, and people out there that are, are still willing to fight. So, you know, that's where, that's where we say, hey, where are we going to come together and say enough? And that's Jim, I still have you on the phone. They're out, you're out there in Colorado. I know you say you're, you're you know, uh, 8,000 feet away from reality. But you're very much involved with the, the republic and, 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 and the du jour uh, side of things. And, you know, we announced this so many times in our conversations, uh, how people have to stand up. But the message is not taking. You know, you know it's just not, it's not getting out there. It's not the people are not buying into You're a wacko. You're a sovereign kook. Uh, you know, and then you're isolated. And, and, and like I said, they kidnap you, and then they silence you, and then that, that movement is gone, Not, well, you know, like they did Mr. Turner and, and, and many others, others. You know, so what do, what do you do? What, what can you really do? I mean, we're doing it now, but at the same time, you know, how, would you, how could you get on like a Glenn Beck program to uh, talk about stuff like this? Have you tried? You know what, I've tried, like I said, the media came here because I was ADA advocate for somebody that has died and is national news. And when I told them about what's going on in VA, they closed down. Why did they close down? Because the 1% bought media. The media has a responsibility to inform us, the people, under the First Amendment. They're not doing it. And so they have, they, they failed us. When they failed us, we got to realize that there's something going on with the media, and we need the media to inform us. Otherwise, if they don't inform us what's going on, they're aiding and abetting the enemy as well, and they're guilty. So, uh, once again, we are the whole, everything that we're talking about is much greater than ourselves. We need the military. When our civilian. Um, Counterparts go rogue. You gotta get the military, and you gotta make them do their job. Well, Sue, so we had the military on board back in 2009 and 2010. Okay, I can tell you this right now. When I sat down with Ron Paul and uh, uh, many others back in 2010 with the Restore America plan, and and we talked about this, and the conclusion that came, we came up with was this is that if they got on the 6 o'clock news tomorrow night and said, blah, blah, this, 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 everything we just talked about and deeper and deeper things even, 
that I know about, and probably you do too, uh, the American people would go berserk. They wouldn't know how to take it. You'd yeah. have fires in the yeah. streets. Buildings would burn yeah. down. You know, what? Yeah. so how do you control that? And nobody could come up with an answer. So, therefore, the assemblies oh. and, you know, eventually dissipated. And, of course, the Obama administration was attacking us, and people were murdered, arrested, thrown in yeah. federal prison. And, and yeah. you know... So where do we go? Through another cycle again? How many more good men and women have to die, give their lives, their freedom, to, to try to fix something that maybe just cannot be fixed? I'm not trying to be a downer here. I'm just saying no, no. that, you know, reality. Yeah, you don't want anybody, especially innocent people, die because there's too many people that died already. You yeah. know, and um, what's the solution? We just have to... The, 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 the truth. We've got to tell the the the, the, the American people. Enforcement. Where's our enforcement? Huh? What? Where's our Where's our enforcement going to come from? That's the big question of the day. Where's the enforcement going to come from? You can talk about the military, police, sheriff. You can talk about militias. You can talk about the very capable men and women. But at the end of the day, who's going to be the enforcement to do the right thing, and who's going to have the clean hands? to do the right thing. I'll well, it's got to be somebody that the American people trust, that's for sure. Because they that's trust. It. You're, you're, you got that right. And there also has to be a bartering system in, in place because people what do what? Yeah. They rely on, you know, they got to feed their families. They have to buy things. Yeah. They have to trade. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know? Can I say something you here? Can... Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yes. I'm sorry, Archivita. Go ahead. No, it's all good. I'm enjoying listening to um, the conversation back and forth. But I do want to say um, I agree. Uh, well, I disagree and with the um, comment that was stated earlier about kicking in doors and all of that because that ties us into terrorist activity, and we do not want to be seen as terrorists. We must come in peace. And so what I wanted to say is um, another thing that was spoken on earlier was liabilities and how people are treated as a liability, and uh, a a liable person is a competent person but not competent for the agenda against those whom in which the services are to serve. And mental illness, mental health is also an issue of liability. I, too, suffer with uh, PTSD. I've served 12 years in the Army, and I served a tour in Iraq OIF, too. And so um, I was was with 1st ID, and that's when uh, we were on uh, Danger and Spiker. And I was on both those um, fobs while I was there. Uh, So... Understanding all of that um, and policy analysis um, and understanding that it was written to change law. Everything that changes law is first written. Then it is enacted with a vote of a, a collective that agrees. So we must write, rewrite the wrongs and use their language. So we have to understand legalese, like someone said on the call earlier. That's the language of law. If you do not understand legalese, then you're not going to understand. And so the question was also, well, not the question, but the statement was made about media and how it is skewed 
to protect the criminals, and that was the agenda, and its actual design is made specifically for that. So social media is an open avenue to travel with information. We're just not using it properly. We, 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 we are not, we're not engaging in the algorithm of information sharing. And so that's how the information moves across social media, which is the same thing. How many times you go on your social media page and you see the same stuff, everybody's sharing the same thing over and over again? You may be seeing it in this group or that group. So if you enter the algorithm and share this information, someone is also going to see it because now it's clicking and clocking with the algorithm. So we yeah. got to get into the and, algorithm with this information. Yeah. And yeah, uh, hang on, and one, so one second, one second. I just and, want to say so six five seven three eight three. Oh, hang on, hang on. Let me give you closing thoughts. Actually, I'm gonna give you closing thoughts. I gotta say this. Okay, when we when we dealing with choices, we can't control what other people make for choices for themselves. So we have to behave with controlled discipline and patience with self first, and then we can use that energy outward from ourselves because we have found it within. That's all I wanted to say. So each all person right. is All right. Thank you. Okay. Uh, six, hang on, uh, everyone, Six five seven three eight three zero six one six. We're going to be getting – we're down here getting ready to wrap up the show. I'm going to give everyone closing thoughts to the podcast. But if you were listening and you have, were, you have something you want to add to the subject – or have an opinion, or want to offer some sort of assistance, or need some information, 657-383-0616, press the number 1, and I will get you on unscreen. screen. Um, Sue and your husband, uh, obviously, uh, I, uh, please, just uh, share your final thoughts to the podcast here tonight, and tell people how they, if uh, you want people to contact you, or if, or if they may have information, or, or whatever you think that is pertinent that can help you, spread uh, the to alert of this problem and uh, give you some sort of assistance maybe. Yeah, okay, so my husband, he went out because he was it triggered. But I can tell you the first thing that comes to mind is I have this philosophy, and the philosophy is God put us on the earth for a reason. That reason is to improve the world. We are never in the business of harming anyone. And so what the issue that we have is, there is a strategic plan out there to harm Americans. And the resolution or the solution is to understand why they're doing this. And at the end of the day, if you follow the money trail, you'll see it. And the solution is us. It's always been us. And what they've done is they've oppressed us to the point where we've lost the confidence. And I'm a God-fearing person, and I can tell you, and some people aren't, but there is some higher being out there that wants us to do good because he didn't put us on this earth to kill each other, harm each other. And so people need to wake up and understand that those people, as there is a God, there is a devil. And as there is good, there's evil. And if there's evil, we have to understand what this, evil person is doing to harm us and it all goes back to ourselves and I've done videos on that and you can um, look at my video it's AA Advocates Who Does Guys it bit you I had 300 out there showing the people what the fraud waste and abuse at the VA headquarters second government shadow government and all those attorneys are in building 810 
And I say that because once you have a leader that's in a position and you tell them they have a responsibility to make wrong right, to help you out, they can't turn ahead because we give them the big bucks to do their job. And that's what I have off the top of my head. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, um, No, and by all means, I'll probably come back to you right here before I do wrap it up. Uh, Jim, out there in Colorado. Uh, you've listened to the entire conversation here tonight. I've had you on this podcast many times over the years. You heard what I had to say, and you know you are involved with the Republic. Uh, can you uh, expound upon this here at the end here? Give us some closing thoughts. Thank you, Joe. I'd, I'd love to share some closing thoughts. You know, during this time that you and I have been associated, uh, Joe, in attempting to take our country back, It's been a learning process for us. Uh, Since we're talking to military people, I'll make an analogy. When you join the military, they need to train you up as to the art of war and to how to operate the weapons that you have at your disposal. Um, To bring a newbie in off the street, send him through the rubber glove treatment and have the doctors examine him and say you're fit to go doesn't mean you're fit to go. You don't know the first thing about how to operate a tank, how to fly an airplane, how to access the uh, information systems with radar and satellites and all of this stuff. You have to be trained to do that. And that's what we've learned over this past decade or more, Joe, is how to operate the tools that are at our disposal. And those tools are God-given, inalienable rights, regardless of what creator you choose to name. There's a law called laws of nature and of nature's God. Yeah, That means that Gravity works just as well at one inch off the ground as it does at 10 miles off the ground. It's still in full effect. What we have is a lot of frustrated Americans out here, and my heart goes out to the people that have served our country, that have given their their lives, given their, their bodies, their minds, to help preserve our Constitution, but yet the people don't understand, as was discussed tonight, it was called legalese. What is legalese? Well, legalese is a creation. It's not God's law of gravity, of laws of nature, nature's God. It's the laws of man. It's UCC law. It's law that man made. And so what we're faced with, to really get down to the, the nut cutting, is the American people have a choice as to which jurisdiction they choose to live under. And that's where you and I, Joe, have held the ground for the American people so that they have that choice because without the sacrifices that you and I and many other Americans have made over this past 15, 20 years, um, they wouldn't have that choice. But they do have that choice. This beast that we're describing tonight, 
is like an octopus with many tentacles. And so we've examined one tentacle tonight, but the problem is is that we can cut off this one tentacle if we can find a way to do it, but the octopus still lives. That's the jurisdiction of the UCC law, the man's law that's been created to enslave us. If we examine the law form and go back to our Constitution and our Bill of Rights, the American people have not only the opportunity but the responsibility to take control of their future and of their reality. And it's a simple process, but it's simple because it's under our Constitution, not under the UCC Constitution that we've been taught to fear and to respect. The way that this is done is so simple. 30,000 people in each state, by law, have the right to form their own jurisdiction under the Constitution, our original Constitution, and to hold elections. And I know that we have a lot of foreign actors in here that are earning their way into the American society by serving in the military, but they're bringing their own form of governance along with them. They certainly don't know any better than most Americans on how to operate the Constitution that we have at our disposal. 30,000 people in each state made up of Americans. Americans are those that serve in our military. So we say, well, we need the military. But who is the military if it's not of, for, and by the American people? And so we don't have to worry about the military because they are us, except for those foreign actors that choose to bastardize what was given to us by God, our inalienable rights. And so I challenge everyone on this call, and they will listen to this call, to go on YouTube, go to President Geiger's YouTube channel, that's G-E-I-G-E-R, and listen to the last seven or eight series of podcasts. They're 30 minutes long, and they're entitled, We Know Who We Are, Do You Know Who You Are? And you'll find testimony of people that have been interviewed over the years during the Obama administration when they were seeking to bury us and kill us and enslave us and prison us. And you'll find, if you go into the archives, the, the uh, I believe they're called the 303s, that are the reports that the FBI has to file on every, uh, on every interview. And it's stated in those 303s that we, the American people, under the republic, do not fit any of their definitions of terrorists. See, people don't need to be afraid of the truth. People don't need to be afraid of standing up and doing what's right. And together, we win. Divided, we fall. And it is so evident in our conversations today and yesterday and in the coming days, the necessity of coming together lawfully and legally and peacefully 
And once everybody steps out of the jurisdiction of the UCC jurisdiction, the bastardized and, and stolen elections and uh, rule number one, follow the money, once we step out of that, that jurisdiction no longer has authority over us because now we are back under the laws of nature and of nature's God, as is quoted in our Constitution. We have international recognition. We have a flag. We have our original Constitution. We have all the tools available. But where are the recruits to come in and to learn the skills of operating their Constitution so that we can have what we so desire and know is rightfully ours? Fear, confusion, and deception, and all these little wasp things of the octopus keep us on our own little track, our own little fight, when it would be so simple just to take the head off the octopus and be done with it, rather than fighting all these little battles that keep us distracted and keep us from winning what is ours. And so I challenge everyone, get educated. Go to the President Rogers YouTube. Listen to those few podcasts. Get a visual and understanding of how to operate the tools that are ours, that God gave us. And we will once again be proud Americans to be respected and to be feared because we are united under the light, the truth, and the truth will always set us free. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, I respond. Out. I respond uh, right, thank you. Yeah, Ken, go just ahead. Your to, turn. Go ahead, brother. Uh, absolutely. The octopus usurpation of the Republic government and the sovereign citizen theory. Y'all Google that. And I just want to point out for you, uh, Jim, that we do not have an official language for attempts being made over and over and over to officialize the English language, which would have killed the police in its track. It's the only bill I ever read that uh, that uh, addressed both the de jure and the de facto. That would be an overnight cure to killing the legalese undoing of God's law immediately because it would kill all the foreign contracts, kill the dog Latin, that Justinian deception that Romney Stewart out of Australia brought forward, um, you know, all roads leave Rome. You got the Vatican, you got London State, and you got the District of Criminals, or known as Columbia. <laughs> but that English language, Schumer and Pelosi sidetracked it to a unifying language. That right there was one of the most treasonous things I've ever uncovered in my simplistic research. And if you go on YouTube and you punch in. Uh, uh, English is not the official language of the United States of America or for America. You're going to find that there are other people that were getting this on their radar. And one of them happened to be a young school kid, you know, elementary. And his question was, what's the official language of the United States? Oh, simple, English. And eh, you're wrong. And a country uh, with, without language is a country without a soul. And that's good take you to Mendel's house, and that's going to take you to the water that's being forced upon the American people by the association. And I'm not saying that all bar lawyers are bad people. What I am saying, though, is your private membership association has been used by some to 
take over the country and, and the world, and it's caused a lot of chaos. A lot of people are finding out through now the arm of the social media, because we're we we can't connect here. We're connect over here. As long as that internet's up, we're going to keep connecting, and it's going to keep growing more and more every day. And and look, they they, they don't. It's it's not a good thing for us to keep heading in this same disastrous direction. Allowing the Federal Reserve to create uh, control the monetary policy, to print the money, earn interest, <laughs> absurd. You know, uh, allow them to control our industrial labels. This hey, Ken, Ken, your, your connection, I'm losing you. I'm losing you more and more as you're going on. Your connection is terrible. I, I bet. <laughs> and the last one is the trust. That's the biggest one of all. It's the trust accounts. If you don't know what these things are, these three, three, three things, because you cannot have a republic as long as you have foreign bankers that are controlling the monetary policy, industrial relations, and trusts. And I'll leave it at that, people. All right. Let Sue, me, anything uh, else you want to I, add I here? Appreciate, you, I appreciate that. Hang on, Governor. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on, Jim. Go, go ahead, Sue. I, 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 uh, go ahead. I know I, you have a lot of information. I didn't mean to cut you off and bring so many people on tonight as you being an invited guest, but I just wanted you know, listen. These are some people that I've been speaking to for a while now, and I just wanted to get their input uh, to this because it's a very important subject, very important, uh, something that's yeah. very, very important, actually, that affects all of us especially the yeah. military veterans, brothers and sisters out there. So go ahead, Sue. Yeah. Okay, so we talk about trust and the, tr- and the truth will set you free. I agree. If we want to really understand who we are, because that's what we need to do, we have to, do, we have to go down that rabbit hole and we have to learn about the charter of the forest. Because the charter of the forest, is so significant, and they don't teach us that. And it says, and it was sealed in 1217 after the Magna Carta in 1215. And the Charter of the Forest said that every God-given life has a right for life, liberty, and property. And if anybody takes life, mutilates, or takes property, they're in trouble. Our founding fathers found a country that wasn't lost. And when they came over here, they were highly educated and they taught and they knew about the Charter of the Forest because that's a fact. And so if they knew about the Charter of the Forest and they came and they had Cook, their attorney, say, hey, look, this is what you're going to do. You're going to take the Indians and you're going to ensure that whatever cultures they had they no longer had their culture. They were all Christians. And Christ, if you go down that rabbit hole, you'll see that Christianity was manipulated because the 1% always want control over the masses. Number two, Cook said get their children and make sure their children understand how we think because their children are the next generation. Number three, they said go out there and kill them and don't have a truth. So if you do your history, if you want to know the truth, we got to call spade a spade and understand the chart of the force. Once you understand the chart of the force, you know that is the amendment to the Magna Carta that our founding fathers came over here with, and it says you cannot do, you can't have slaves, you can't mutilate them, you can't torture them, you can't go out there and rape them, etc. So once you understand that, you will understand that everything 
that our founding fathers came here is void because the Charter of Forest said, if you do this to any God-given creature, whatever you have is void. Do your research, and that's all I'm saying. Tell me uh, about John, King John. King John did all kinds of things to their barons, etc. And if we really want to be honest, we we got to know the truth. And I agree, the truth will set you free. The truth is, our founding fathers were Masons. This is a fact, and I challenge everyone to read and learn the Charter of, because the Charter of the Force will set us free, and we will understand what's going on with the Founding Fathers who found a country and mutilated 100 million Indians. And I'm just saying, I'm just saying, all right? So that's what I got to say. Um, as far, well, one thing, one thing. Well, actually, you know, I, I I agree with most of everything you said here tonight. Just one thing at the end about the Mason thing. Actually, there's actual. I, I used to believe that too, until like you said, search for the truth. Library of Congress, actual handwritten letters by George Washington. Just uh, uh, not. He was not actually a Mason. He says, "I've never been a member of your lodge. Never attended your lodge." There's actual letters there that you can view if you go anybody cares to to now i don't know about all the founding fathers there could have been some that were but george washington i know he was not because i read i read the letter first i saw it with my own eyes because i used to believe it that he was a mason but he but he was not a he was not a freemason so i mean i'm just saying that's you know documentation that i saw so anybody can go view that at the library of congress and that's that's why it's so important to preserve history you know and and get documentation of that and see it Mm -hmm. So, yeah. but uh, but but as far as history goes, too, too also. Go ahead. I'm sorry. The, the, the charter of the okay, so charter of the forest. I'm just telling everyone to do their own research and sure. look. Yeah. Uh, the truth, the charter of the forest. Figure out what it is. Yeah, and, I didn't know about that actually, Stu, until the other day when Ken talk, told me about that. I started doing a little, a little bit. I'm going to look more into that actually. So what you're saying is true about that. Yes. And uh, I'm going to start doing more research into that Charter of the Forest and looking into it. But, yeah, you learn. But, you know, Stu, another thing, too, we have to understand you're absolutely right, the truth of yesterday. We have to understand that yesterday, and then when we understand the truth of yesterday, we can apply those facts and truth to the foundations of how we live today, and then we can plan for a better tomorrow. We're not being told the truth. That's my problem. Why is the truth hidden from us? You know, let's just tell people the truth so we can move forward. We are who we are, and we're here now. So how do we resolve the problem? Why is the truth? Why is the chart? Why why doesn't anybody know about the chart of the forest? Everybody in Europe knows about it because they've been taught in every university over there in Europe. I'm I'm just saying, just tell us the truth so we can move forward. We're here now. You can't do anything except... Work together, capitalize on everybody's strength in order to reach a common objective. And the common objective is to ensure that everybody develops their God-given, whatever God-given talent they have, without someone trying to violate their rights. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I think we all want to be free. I think the problem is, is, is a control issue. That's what I've always studied. I've been studying the New World Order for many years. And been in the patriot uh, community since 1991, and uh, uh, you know, and and as I, as I look at everything, it's about control. 
you know, and they want to yeah. control and 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 basically it's it's basically our own ignorance also because sometimes I'll look mm-hmm. at society and say, man, you know, can they be helped or saved? Why? You know, sometimes you got to say, why bother? You know, I mean, because it's a it's a hopeless cause. You get frustrated. Everybody gets frustrated, but at yeah. the same time, you have to look at the good. You know, there's no room. Yeah. Uh, you know, in a room filled with darkness, there's no room for any light. You know, so right. you know, you know, so we have to be careful because we can get swallowed up in, with the, like you said, the evil one. You know, there's evil yeah. out there trying to enhance our thoughts, and our spiritual beings, and our mind to uh, do harm and do no harm. We should not be doing any harm. Everyone has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We should all, we're endowed by our creator, no matter who your creator is, like you said. And, and well, like you said, you started off tonight with the corruption, the money, the greed, control, you know, theft. And, and, it, and it's, it's, it's so big, the rabbit hole, that there's so many problems that we face and the battles that you're facing right now. And God willing, and God bless you for standing up and fighting uh, you and your husband for something that's 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 for good, you know, and and you're right, you're, you're being retaliated against, and that's that's a damn shame. You should not be for standing up for something that is correct and right and righteous, you know. If our foundations be destroyed, you know, what can we stand upon? You know, uh, where our foundations are built of sand, so we have no foundation to stand upon. So, but you're the rock that we're going to stand upon. Good people like yourself, your husband. Jim and everybody else that was on this call here tonight. And believe me, I had many people that wanted to get in, but I would have clouded up the phone lines too much, and then we start talking over each other and we get nowhere. You know. Yeah. So, Sue, I'd like to have you back on in the future. Uh, you know, maybe a month or two, or God willing, or whenever, if you come up, or if anything happens to you, or anything bad happens, or something, or if you need my help, uh, you know, we'll t- well, maybe we'll talk in private in the future also, uh, and I can tell you, you know, what I'm trying to do here in North Carolina, and, and it's always good to ally with good people across the country and network, because that's how we're going to build strength together. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, yeah, I totally agree. Okay, well, everybody, uh, anybody else, real quick here. I got about uh, one minute, two minutes here. I think, Jim, you had some, I cut you off there when you were trying to address Ken. I got about two minutes. You want to say something real quick, and I'm going to wrap it up. Yeah, yeah I wanted to uh, direct them to the uh, Dictionary Act, which was passed shortly after the uh, Organic Act of 1871. The Dictionary Act changed the meaning of everyday English words to fit legalese, quote-unquote. And so they bastardized our language and our understanding of the meaning of words right there with the Dictionary Act. So, you know, what we have to do is choose what jurisdiction we want to serve in. It is literally that simple. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. We have the tools to live in a jurisdiction of justice for all of a moral and just society. But a moral and just society will only prevail if it is enforced. And if there are actions that are devoid of accountability, then it don't matter what the law is because they got away with it. And the way we deal with that in a lawful, peaceful manner is to bring back liberty and justice for all under a moral and just society. And I know that's going to make some people agitated, and if it does, 
you better go to your knees and figure out which jurisdiction you want to live in. Laws of nature and nature's God or man's jurisdiction. And I throw that out there because this is 2022. This is the beginning of a new year. And I believe, in my opinion, peace, that the people are going to be forced into learning how to live under our original Constitution because President Trump, when he took his oath, promised the people that he was going to give them back their republic. And words mean something. And he didn't talk about corporate USA Inc. registered with Dun & Bradstreet. That's not what our republic is. A republic is all for one and one for all because we all got to live to survive to fight another day, not fight amongst ourselves until we die. And that's what they've got us doing today. And we're going to change that. And as long as I'm a light in this darkness, there will be a light in this room. And I will drive that amount of darkness away. And when I have Sue on and when I have Joseph Gibson, now we've got three lights in a dark room, and it's going to get brighter. And I look forward to that day. So I challenge everybody, get prepared, learn how to operate the weapons that you've been given because your life and your family's life and your grandkids' life, our society depends upon your getting your head out of the sand and learning what and how to operate what is ours. Oh, Thank yes, you, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yep. Anything oh, else? I know your husband stays quiet quiet there. I don't, is, did yeah. he have something to share? I don't want to make him feel left <laughs> out now. <laughs> well, you know, he went because it was um, triggering him. and I, you know, I, I, I understand. Yeah, I, I understand. Know. I'll be praying for him, too. I'll be praying for yeah. you and your That's husband. Yeah, and so but I, the last person, I can't remember his name, but I totally agree. you got to capitalize on everybody's strength in order to reach that common objective. And the common objective just live. Let us live. Yeah, I mean, his last words just motivated me. And who was that? Who was he? What's his name? That Oh, that's Jim Jim Carpenter uh, out in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, Jim. I, I, I represent the free people of Colorado, of Colorado Free State, as their governor. And I have served oh, those people you. for 10 years. I've tried my best to educate everyone I come in contact with, and not everybody accepts it very graciously because it's contrary to what they've been indoctrinated with. Yeah, the truth is the truth. Yeah, the truth is true. It motivated me. The last words that you had said motivated me because it's true. We the people, we have to capitalize on everybody's strength. We have to work together as one. In order to move forward, and they're trying to divide us, you know. And yeah. yeah, it was beautiful. The last couple of words that you had said was awesome. Sure, go to the Sue. I recommend that you do go to the uh, Republic of the United States dot org. Right, right, right. Is that it, Governor? I always screw that one up. The Republic of the United States of America dot org. I think it is. <laughs> I messed that up. All Republic the time. for the United States. Yeah, Republic for the United States of America dot org. Okay. We operate according to the Constitution and the laws. And the, the Northwest Ordinance was um, set in stone. It is still part of our Constitution. And that says that all we need once we get these 30,000 people that want the freedom back is yeah. a governor, 
two senators, a chief justice, and a representative. And now we have a lawful voice for the people. It's not a hard process. I'll guarantee you in every state in the union, there's 30,000 people that are fed up. All they got to do is accept the challenge. And five people out of those 30,000 need to step up and donate their time and their efforts and their energies so that we can bring forth fair and lawful elections for the American people. And we'll have our country back. We could have had our country back in a matter of months back in 2010, Joe. You know it as well as I do. But they divided us. They stomped on us. They tried to kill us. It did but come close. It did, it, did, it did come close. I know all the governors were served, and uh, it did come close. But the Obama administration came in, and they did a racket on everybody. And, uh, yeah. you know, it was just terrible. And, 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 and it was, a, you know, it's just, it's just you know, a bad situation because everyone has you somebody said it we fight these individual battles amongst ourselves and i know they're important to us everyone's individual battles are important it's our life it's our families but we have to look at our brothers and sisters our neighbors we don't care about our neighbors anymore we don't care about our brothers and sisters abroad and it is me 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 i i i you know and 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 it can't be that way it has to be sacrifice we have to sacrifice for each other and when we learn that then you know, we'll, we'll, America will be a much better place, that's for sure. Well, the mindset of the republic, Joe, is that I'm going to pick up arms and I'm going to stand the line in defense of your right to express your opinion, whether I agree with it or not. Because as mm. soon as they can step on you, they can step on me. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Sue, I want to say thank you for joining me tonight, Ken. You too, Archibeta. I, I don't know if you're still there or not. I've still got about still about 30 or 40 callers <laughs> on the phone here live. I'm, I'm I have hands go. up, but I can't take any more calls. I can't because we, I'm running out of time. But, Sue, I want to say thank you so much. God bless you. And, yeah, and mm-hmm. I'll get in touch with you through Ken somehow, and we'll, we'll work together. We'll, we will get to the bottom. Justice will be served. Justice will be done somehow, some way, God willing. And, uh yeah. I'm on your side. Trust me. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. God bless everybody. Take care. I'm going to close out here with a little bit of something in about a minute, and then we'll wrap it up. Good night, everybody. God bless the Republic. There was a lawyer once. His name was Francis Scott Key. He penned a song that I'm sure you're aware of. You've seen it. It's in most hymnals throughout our churches. It's called the National Anthem. It is our song as an American. We go, however, to a ball game. We stand in our church services and we sing the words of that song. And they float over our minds and our lips and we don't even realize what we're singing. Most of us have memorized it as a child, but we've never really thought about what it means. Let me tell you a story. Francis Scott Key was a lawyer in Baltimore. The colonies were engaged in vicious conflict with the mother country, Britain. Because of this conflict and the protractedness of it, they had accumulated prisoners on both sides. The American colonies had prisoners and the British had prisoners. And the American government initiated a move. They went to the British and they said, let us negotiate for the release of these prisoners. They said, we want to send a man out to discuss this with you. They were holding the American prisoners in boats about a thousand yards offshore. 
And they said, we want to send a man by the name of Francis Scott Key. He will come out and negotiate to see if we can make a mutual exchange. On the appointed day in a rowboat, he went out to this boat and he negotiated with the British officials. And they reached a conclusion that men could be exchanged on a one-for-one -one basis. Francis Scott Key, jubilant with the fact that he'd been successful, went down below in the boats and what he found was a cargo hold full of humanity, men. And he said, men, I've got news for you tonight. You're free. He said, tonight I have negotiated successfully your return to the colonies. He said, you'll be taken out of this boat, out of this filth, out of your chains. As he went back up on board to arrange for their passage to the shore, the admiral came and he said, we have a slight problem. He said, we will still honor our commitment to release these men, but it'll be merely academic after tonight. It won't matter. And Francis Scott Key said, what do you mean? He said, well, Mr. Key, he said, tonight we have laid an ultimatum upon the colonies. Your people will either capitulate and lay down the colors of that flag that you think so much of, or you see that fort right over there, Fort Henry? He said, we're going to remove it from the face of the earth. He said, how are you going to do that? He said, if you will, scan the horizon of the sea. And as he looked, he could see hundreds of little dots. And he said, that's the entire British war fleet. He said, all of the gunpowder, all of the armament is being called upon to demolish that fort. It will be here within striking distance in a matter of about two and a half hours. He said, the war is over. These men would be free anyway. He said, you can't shell that fort. He said, that's, that's a large fort. He said, it's full of women and children. He says, it's predominantly not a military fort. He said, don't worry about it. They said, we've left them a way out. And he said, what's that? He said, do you see that flag way up on the rampart? He said, we have told them that if they will lower that flag, the shelling will stop immediately. And we'll know that they've surrendered, and you'll now be under British rule. Francis Scott Key went down below and told the men what was about to happen. And they said, how many ships? He said, hundreds. The ships got closer. Francis Scott Key went back up on top and he said, Men, I'll shout down to you what's going on as we watch. As twilight began to fall and as the haze hung over the ocean as it does at sunset, suddenly the British war fleet unleashed. <clears throat> he says the sound was deafening. There were so many guns that there were no reliefs. He said it was absolutely impossible to talk or hear. He said suddenly the sky, although dark, was suddenly lit. And he says from down below, all he could hear the men, the prisoners, saying was, tell us where the flag is. What have they done with the flag? Is the flag still flying over the rampart? Tell us. One hour, two hours, three hours into the shelling, Every time the bomb would explode and it would be close to the flag, they could see the flag in the illuminated red glare of that bomb. And Francis Scott Key would report down to the men below, it's still up. It's not down. The admiral came and he said, your people are insane. He said, what's the matter with them? 
He said, don't they understand this is an impossible situation? Francis Scott Key said he remembered what George Washington had said. He said, the thing that sets the American Christian apart from all other people in the world is he will die on his feet before he'll live on his knees.